0: Namaste. We are continuing Shurabindo's life through his poems. And last week we touched upon 1926 when the disciples started coming. And though words like ashram, guru, they have been used in a certain sense, but Shurabindo used them in a very different sense. For example, he said, I have to use the word ashram for want of a better name. But in one of his letters to Lady Eleanor Montgomery, I think the other day Narada was mentioning, she was a fashion designer, very among the affluent class in in New York. And she started having wonderful experiences with Sri Aurobindo's book. And she would cry when she would read it. So she would close the book, cover it that way. So she wanted to come to the ashram and she said, I want to come to the ashram. Someone has said it is a laboratory. And there is a famous letter of Sherbindo, and she had marvelous experiences. So Sherbindo writes, This ashram is a laboratory as X has rightly put it. And then he describes what it meant by this laboratory. So, matter, so this, this whole earth is a laboratory, <laughs> but fortunately, God's laboratory. And in this laboratory, uh, certain chemical experiments went on and out of matter emerged life. Uh, chances of life emerging out of matter is practically nil. There is a famous book I read uh, from um, the discoverer of the DNA, Sir Francis Crick. He says the chances that um, you know, these molecules will combine, create amino acids, they will combine and create even a basic ribonucleic acid is so nil, almost nil. So, probability he was calculating that life must have been seeded from outside. It must have come from some outer extraterrestrial beings must have implanted life. This was his theory, panspermia. Shubinda said, yes, but the question still remains: wherever it emerged, how did it emerge? <laughs> so, so, anyways, this was the experiment through which life emerged. And then out of life, lot of experiments. How does God do experiment? He does experiment by challenging us with... What, what do we really do in an experiment? We pick up one thing, pick up another, combine them and a new product is formed. That's what, you know. <laughs> so, and experiment by its very nature means something new. New challenges. So, out of life, through all the challenges, plant, then um, animals or various non-vertebrates, vertebrates, vertebrates, then eventually man emerged. Now, nature is, Sri writes in The Life Divine, that nature has created man, making the animal a laboratory. And man, how do we know that man is not his, uh, the laboratory of nature, where through conscious means and processes, she wants to bring out the superman. So, we are not guinea pigs, but guinea men. So, <laughs> but God's guinea men makes it makes a big difference. So, out of us, a new possibility the divine wants to bring out, and uh, this is very different from what is normally we have an idea of ashram. Uh, people will be wearing a certain kind of dress, and you know they will be sitting. There'll be some uh, people ask meditation. Kaha hota hai? So, you tell them there is no place designated as a meditation room. So, they, they are at loss. So And then you tell them, but there is a playground where they have meditation. Achha, playground where meditation is. Uh, picture bhi jata hai. Film is also shown on Saturday. Films So what kind? Like bhakti films and all. And you tell them, no, we also have films like 1942, A Love Story. We had Blue Lagoon. <laughs> also Bhakt Prahlad. So, it's because it's an all-inclusive... Entire life is a field of opportunity for progress. This is something one of the Mahavakyas of Shyurbindo that everything in life is a field of progress, depending on how we look at it, the attitude with which we do it. So, uh, people would also ask Shyurbindo for mantra diksha because, again, this idea there is a guru sitting out there whom, whom you will go and he will give a diksha. So, traditional ideas. So, people ask Shyurbindo that so and so wants to come here and take a mantra. From the mother as diksha. So, Srivendis replies, the mother doesn't give mantras, she gives work. (laughs) You should read that letter. (laughs) Work, because whatever she gives, it's all a diksha. This is not like, you know, you will have to give a... If you have thought about her, it's a diksha. Srivendis says that, you know, he who chooses the infinite has been chosen by the infinite. If she comes in your dream, if she comes in the vision... If you chance encounter a book in which you know your heart pours upon her, it's all a deeksha. So he changed the rules of the game. In fact, neither mother nor Shurbindo like to be called as a traditional guru. So there are letters of Shur and where jokingly there is a repartee going on between the Guru and the disciple. <laughs> so he says, Hey Guru, you know somebody writes to him. Huh? Quite modern, you know, you are so intellectual, all this. And Shirobinda would say, yes, because I have such disciples, modern disciples with me, so I have to write in the language. <laughs> and with mother, when somebody wanted to call her guru, she said, oh, I see that you want to reduce me, uh, bring me down and put me on a pedestal. Uh, then she says, I am much more comfortable to be the universal mother of all. Why should I limit myself to a sect or a cult or being the guru teaches one method? Why? Because generally, when you go to a guru, he has a path. He'll give you a diksha, and then you follow that. Here, everything is a field of yoga. So the ashram started growing like that. The moment mother took charge, it was. Uh, if you see the early photographs of the ashram, is very interesting. Some people are fond of the early photographs, so they will show the ladies and the gents wearing saris and dhotis, and you know, they say, "Dekho, ye ashram. <laughs> ashram. What did the mother do? It started like that." And by the time it was 1940s, girls were wearing shorts and shirts and even learning lati. I think the other day, (laughs) some of you were quite surprised when one of the child studying in the school, 14-year-old, she said, I want to go to group. I said, yeah, sure, but uh," she had some injury or something. She said, no, I'm fine. So I said, what will you do in the group? Don't go for gymnastics and this thing. Yeah, no, no, but I, I want to do boxing. And so you know, <laughs> boxing in <laughs> girls will do boxing, they do boxing, gymnastic, everything. She changed the rules of the game. And people talk about women liberation. In the truest sense, it's the mother who started it, right here. But in the true sense, she did not teach imitate men. She in fact taught men are not worth imitating. You be yourself, discover your own self, your greatest strength. So the ashram started like that. It was to bring out your best. And um, so every kind of field, somebody wanted. uh, I want to do a business in this. Okay, start playground. Everything started like that. There was an aspiration very spontaneously, because of the pressure of the consciousness. People developed their aspiration. Cycle store started. Honesty store had started long back. Now there are honesty branches where uh, people vouchsafe by its uh, you know uh, to the milligram weight and the purity of the things. So she had started all this. It was a new paradigm altogether. that You can do honest business. When somebody asked Shurabinda and the mother, he said, yes, you can do honest business. Why not? In fact, it will uh, get you more customers. The name of the store has been, even now, so well known and they don't advertise. Nowhere you will see honesty stores and all. But people know by word of mouth and they purchase. Petrol pump, cycle store. So as things came. So cycle came, so cycle store. Then for every place, he will give a message. Like if you go to... Petrol pump, you will see diligence, rectitude. It should not be like um, things going here and there. So for every department, she gave a message. uh, Our nursing home. So nursing home, she gave a wonderful message. Uh, Finally, it is faith that cures. So um, probably doctors feel very useless. So they keep it somewhere. You know, you can't easily see it. (laughs) Because if faith is curing, what's our role? Your role is to become an instrument of the grace. So, in every sphere of life, he started something new. Because the purpose was not a withdrawal from life, but to make life perfect with the divine perfection. So, this we find in uh, one of his poems. So many wonderful poems. One of my, I mean, everything is favourite. But this is very powerful. This poem's name is "Vain." They have said, who are they? Everybody. From, you know, Wordsworth and Shakespeare this world is like a, you know um, vanity with sound and fury with nothing in it and there are otherwise mayavadins illusion everybody will teach about illusion but see they will take the dakshina after teaching about the world is an illusion and everybody hears about illusion maharaj ji ne kitna Achavad baat very good after that they will go back to the same world why Because there is something in man which is driven towards perfection. But thanks to all this mayavad in India that we have started running from life, shunning from life. But what is its purpose? Shura says very beautifully in this. Vain, they have said. This is in hexameter. It's a wonderful rhythm. Vain, very difficult rhythm. Vain, they have said, is the anguish of man and his labour... Diurnal. Day and night, man is laboring. So they say it is vain. Vainly his caravans cross through the desert of time to the eternal. All this sound and fury. Why all this? Why not? You know, if eternal is the ultimate thing, why all this through the desert of life? Thick and persistent, the night confronts all his luminous longings. Realist to the core. People say, people used to feel, oh, you speak about Superman and all this. But this is a dream. If you read through Sri you will see he is the only one who is not a dreamer. Spiritual realist. He knows the challenges and the difficulties right down to the hilt. And he said, every human nature has, last time we had read about the shadows... Every human nature has his unique difficulty. He was not oblivious to all this. So he says, thick and persistent, the night confronts all his luminous longings. Dire death sickle mows like a harvest. His hosts and his throngings. So he is, you know, Kabir, one of the great mystics. So he says it like this. He says, jagat chabena kalka. Kuch mukh kuch this is a very grotesque image. Huh? He says that this world is nothing but a food of death. Some is in his mouth, some is in his lap. And that which is in the lap is very happy, but it is going to go into the mouth. This is taught to run away from life. And it is true at a certain level, if you see it, I have seen a goat being taken to massacre. And uh, she was sitting behind a luna. It happens only in India. So there is a man driving the luna and behind the goat is tied. And she has been given something to munch. She very happy, enjoying there, here, there, everyone. So as she crossed me, she gave a very wonderful look. Dekho, tumse aage. Now you know, you you look at it and you know ki she is going to the slaughterhouse. It was so evident and yet, so there is a truth. It's not like what Kabir is saying is wrong because as long as man lives in the ignorance, this is the truth. But there is a greater truth. So what is that greater truth? This... Truth up till here is Dire death sickle mows like a harvest His host and his throngings Whenever he wants he Cuts the harvest and takes it Death But now comes Sri Even if all life has failed Must it therefore be failure forever? Questions This is the Sri disciples Even if all life has failed You will say till now it's all a failure First of all it's not true if you look at the evolutionary history, even I mean, I tell people look at um, uh, just 500 years. Uh, people were guillotined in sport. Uh, sorry, gladiators. They were being killed in the name of sport. Now it has changed into Olympics. Wars have changed into now. Indo-Pak match is as good as a war. Um, probably a more thrill because you know, whatever it is, at the end of the day, it's like you have won or lost the war. <laughs> So, it is like it becomes subtler and subtler and one day it will change. So, he is reminding us, even if all life has failed, must it therefore be failure forever? You don't know when that last moment will come, Mm -hmm. when the moment of victory is there. And she reminds um, mother in one of the stories that uh, how there was an archer who was shooting whole night. Uh, wanting to catch some birds, but he could not. So he was tired and he just lie, laid down by the side of the tree and he slept off, thinking all his efforts are useless. And then in the morning he saw the ground was you know littered with some of the k- kills, which he had you know in the night, in darkness he was shooting. So even when it looks like a failure, there is a success story. In fact, there is no failure in life. Let me put it like this. Why? Because if you take the sense of progress for which life is meant, there is no failure because you progress through everything. In fact, failure is a progress. Sometimes it is a greater blessing. That's why Sri Bindo writes in one of his um, you know, aphorisms, O misfortune, blessed art thou, for thou hast shown me the face of the eternal. So the ashram was organized along very different lines. It was not a competition. It was not in competition with anyone, either locals or like honesty society was not here to expand its market and become a big business empire. That is not the purpose. The purpose is to establish an ideal in the world that this can be done. Same thing with the ashram school, which came a little later. That, you know, it was not like, you know, okay, our students, how many percentile they got 99% when they went out. Not at all. In fact, many of them don't know what is exams. So my son at uh, what age, 21, 22, probably first time he ever took an exam in his life was when he went to Sheffield University. And he was very excited. Papa, I am going to appear for an exam. (laughs) I have heard so much about it from Bhaiya, this, that, all. That exam, it's not creating tension in me. I said, why do you want to be tense? (laughs) Just chill, be cool. So, because it is not for competition and you will see so much sport. Even you will see prize, but not competitiveness. It's a different world altogether where perfection, consistency, these things are stressed. Just to give an example, in the school, the mother would give um, prizes at the end of the year to some student. One of them was, you know, um, something like a special honor and things like that. So, to one child, she said, um, This child deserves a reward. So said, but mother, she has not done anything special. Said, no, you see, consistently, she has been consistent in where she has been. Just to maintain where you are. So how she would observe things, which, uh, so she taught by all this, to see all this in human nature. It's not only about the high peaks, but how you are going. So this is where he reminds us that, well, are not the ages before us still for a grander endeavour? This should be the attitude. In one of his letters to Dilip M. Roy, he says, To every uh, idea of discouragement, despondency, you must say, I am the child of the mother and I cannot fail. Because failure in yoga means only one thing, that you don't realise the goal of uniting with the divine. And Sri says, he who seeks the divine will realize him this is more certain than 2 plus 2 equals to 4. So, only thing is, it's a question of time. That's okay. But there is nothing like failure. Actually, there is nothing like failure in life. It's our conception of Marx, career. We set a false goal. So, if a tortoise has to run with a hare, he will fail, regardless of Esop's fable. No rabbit is going to sleep halfway through. Rabbits run all the time. So it, that story is not right. But if the tortoise is intelligent as they are, don't go by their you know looks like that. They are very intelligent creatures, fairly conscious. So he will say, "Come, boy. We'll have one running in the land. Second round will be in the sea, and the third will be climbing the trees. Let us see who <laughs> who gets it." So everybody is made for, so the, all this she was, the way she organized the ashram, is was not based on anything outer. Teachers were not kept on, okay, show me your qualifications. No. I know somebody, Jayanti was there, he was to teach French. She gave him the task of teaching French. And this man said, mother, but I don't know French. He said, yes, I know that you don't know. Learn it. Now he became one of the best French teachers. Children loved him. Now she saw that inside him. How did she see it? That's what is the difference. So there were people with whom she dealt like this. Uh, um, our dining room, we had a professor of economics with Prakashi. And he was the dining room person. And somebody told him, but don't you think you are wasting your life? He said, no, I had to make a progress in this very field where it was missing. And this um, uh, Rishabh Chanji. Highly intellectual and coming from a good business family, and he was given the task of maintaining the court's furniture department. Niroda, furniture department. So even I had this little experience when I came here, uh, how her ways work. That you know, I was put in marbling department, and they asked me, "Are you sure you'll work?" I said, "Yes." I have example of Niroda before me. <laughs> so, and I realized that was a thing missing in my life—the sense of colors. So I realized, oh, this is so wonderful sitting, selling saris, looking at all the wonders of colors. I said, she knows where you have to be for your progress. So, this is a different way of life, different kind of ashram. It's not an ashram where people are sitting with meditation and ultimately they are waiting to you know, post-mortem salvation. No, this is here and in the very body. So, he reminds us, are not the ages before us still for a grander endeavor it may take long doesn't matter but let's follow the path of fulfillment through divine perfection this and then these last two lines so powerful have we not beauty around in a dangerous world but enthralling world is dangerous but it's also delightful who can deny it and very often Danger is delightful. (laughs) Ask those who climb the mountains, tell them. And sometimes it's so much that if you tell there is a risk in it, the adventurer soul says, this is what is worth doing. You tell him this is very simple, he says, I am not interested. So dangerous, he admits. But he says there is beauty and there is enthralling. Courage, inciting our steps and thought to infinity calling. So this is where we must understand that there are seeds of Godhead in this world which need to be brought out and they must be watered by true spirituality which we see in the ancient Vedic times. All the gurukuls, I mean all of them, they were teaching everything. And even if you go up to this, we talk about Nalanda Takshila, if you read about Chanakya, Chanakya was a guru, he was an acharya. But he taught archery, he taught political science and ultimately overthrew an empire. So this is what was the ideal. it was to make a complete human being, and Shuwindndo takes it one step further, not just a complete human being, not even a god-like human being, which one can become, but a divine, divine humanity. So this is the project that they started here. Now, in this project, in this laboratory, Mother's laboratory, they were not only human beings. they were animals, plants, gods, titans. Because there is an interconnected chain. So all beings of different kinds were called here. And Sri completes that letter saying, if we called only Sattvic people, then the problem of Rajasic and Tamasic people would have been left untouched. So in this ashram, the selection is not based on, you are a very nice man, please come. You may be a nice man, sometimes you may be a very difficult human being, but who else will take this challenge? So, you know, if you are not well, you go to the best doctor. So, the Divine Mother is the best doctor. And she has brought... The story that comes closest to me is that at the end of Pralaya, Raja Satyavrata in uh, Indian thought and Noah, Noah's Ark, if you read the biblical account, Old Testament. Uh, you know, he builds a big ark and in that ark you have all the creatures, samples, varieties. So this is mother's boat. She has described the supramental boat. And in that boat, all varieties, specimen of humanity representative are here. So it is not just that you will meet here, you know, people who are all the time meditating. In fact, Shabindu said, if you do the work properly, you can progress ten times faster than meditation. I have seen this letter actually with uh, one of the persons who was teaching hockey. So, a completely different approach altogether. So, uh, they were human beings of all kinds. It was necessary for the work. Otherwise, this sample of humanity will not be represented and the chain will be disconnected. Then, that's why one of the things the mother says, never try to judge. And especially this place, I tell them that, look, this is mother's creation. You can't even understand Vishwakarma's creation. (laughs) This is Divine Mother's creation. (laughs) How can you understand by the mind? And all the challenges are there so that you overpass the mind. So this is the beauty of this place. So marvelous. It's really like uh, if you have read this book, Alice in Wonderland, where depending on where you enter, you will have a different world opening before you. So this place is like that. It is built in such a way that if you enter through the heart, you will see a different world opening. And many things, her personal things, things which you know, enthrall and fill you with rapture, they will be there. And the difficulties will also be commensurate. If you go through the mind, you will enter a different route altogether. If you go through the vital, a different route altogether. So she brought all these for this evolutionary great adventure. And among them were, <laughs> were gods. Gods used to come when mother would meditate because they also must agree that man must go beyond them. If man comes in contact with the Supreme, that means, um, you know, there is a very good connection between gods and human beings. Because human beings, it's ancient yoga that human beings give the yagika bhag to gods. And if you don't give to the gods, if you read Vedic literature, they are not happy. That why it was not given to me. And gods, in return, give to human beings whatever they can give maybe a protection, maybe a quality. In Greek yoga, as well as in uh, Vidhik yoga, you see this story. So there is a mutual interdependence. The gods grow in strength by what the human beings give, offer. And human beings grow in strength by what the gods give. But now she has taken the level not through the gods, but directly contact with the Supreme. So she had to explain to the gods, there are so many fascinating stories. Durga would come to mother and she says, don't you want to know the joy of surrender? So she says she is formidable. She says gods don't understand surrender; they are absolute in their own right. Whom will they surrender? And human beings know it because of the psychic being and the harassment of the world. <laughs> so, <laughs> on one side we have the psychic being which knows what surrender is instinctively. On the other side we are <laughs> hit from every side. <laughs> Not only by the uh, cobras and snakes having Vishdant, but also by good human beings who will say, very nice, good morning, how are you? But deep inside there is that uh, fang which is hidden. So human beings have no choice but to surrender. We are programmed to surrender. (laughs) Gods don't know. She says they are formidable beings. They don't understand surrender. Who can touch them? But then she understood when mother explained to her, And then she had the joy of surrender. She describes that. She surrendered to the Supreme and she had the joy of surrender. Why she had to do it? Because she is on a different plan altogether. What was Durga doing? She would drive away all the demons back to their holes. And then they come back again. So this process goes on. But the mother wants them to come out and change them. So this is a different plan altogether. She tells them, come a mother's arms desires her rebel sons, they too are safe. So she has brought them because she has brought that power of love which can even transform them. So the gods, the titans, and the animals, because the chain should not be broken. If you read through the literature now in evolutionary biology, it's very interesting. So you see that many animals they are beginning to behave. In good or worse, that's a different story. Like human beings. Even things like revenge. The other day somebody was showing that. This and when the dogs start living with human beings, they learn how to flatter. You know, human beings, uh, so much deception. So anyways, they are there, they are connected. So they also had to be there. So dogs, cats, lizard, donkey, bullock, trees. Plant. They were all part of Mother's creation. Everything. Even if you enter the ashram, you see these divine love cactus. All these are different uh, seasons and different soils growing flower. This is the only place. So often people want to understand what the ashram is like. I said, just enter right and see to the left. That's the ashram. You see, very different. Look at the places where cactus thrives, divide love, then those small flowers, Shurbindo's compassion. And they're all together. That's her garden. Beautiful garden. So, one of the poems, and what care they took in this evolutionary process. There was a cat. Not one cat, there were quite a few cats. And there was a dog. Dog was uh, goldie, who would carry in a basket flowers to Shurbindo. Just imagine. What a fortunate dog. Every day he would carry... All the way um, to Shirdi. Then there does anyone remember what breed this was? Uh, No, not Labrador. It's the other other friendly dog. Ah, I think it was a golden retriever. I may be mistaken, but from the look of it, looks like a golden retriever. But I may be mistaken. I've seen the picture. So lovely dog, you know. Uh, carrying flowers all the way to Shurabindu. So, they were dogs, they were cats and the cat's mother took special interest. And some of the cats, she said, it was her experiment to see that can they take a leap? Normally, they have to probably become a horse. I'm just, this my, I surmise because horse, I guess, uh, horses, cows, they are more developed. You see them, they are quite emotional. Uh, they can get emotionally attached. Horses are known to be so faithful to their Owners, we have Rana Pratapka Goda, Chetak. How he would, they can give their life for the sake of their master. And then, of course, um, elephants, they're very emotional. Cows, they can get attached to you like a family. And many of these animals take upon themselves your problems. Cats are very sensitive to vital forces. So she says that if uh, you have a cat, now this is not a, okay, okay, start having a cat. <laughs> so. Uh, because they also break diseases, that's one part of it. But if you have a cat, if the people think they are not attached, but they are attached in a very different way, they will not show any sign of attachment. But if there is a danger coming to you, they take it upon themselves. He has spoken about these stories. So there was a cat, and just imagine Shorbindo with all that you know, life divine and savitri and synthesis of yoga, personally feeding the cat, taking out all the katas from the fish and feeding the cat. And when she leaves her body, uh, Srivabindra and the mother came to, personally to be around them. Now, was it attachment? This is how an ordinary person will look. But talking of detachment, we have become completely indifferent and unconscious. Because for them, we read that in uh, ancient scriptures, Ganika, Jamil, Byad, Gidh, Tarikana. how the divine treats animals, if you want to understand, read the Ramayana. the ra, the reach the uh, the bear, the monkey, the vulture, everybody he treats with that love and kindness. so we must understand it's not uh, detachment doesn't mean okay I have nothing to do with these creatures, I'm attached only to my ego. <laughs> it means for a true love to come out. so there is another poem. Of a very different flavor, and uh, this cat must be standing on the landing, where she clings to truth and wanting to go up to Shubhinder's room without an authorized pass. And Shwabindu must have seen, so he writes this poem: "Despair on the staircase." So, what is the despair? Mute stands she, lonely on the topmost stair. The she is the cat. But whether she is a cat or someone, we'll know later. An image of magnificent despair. Only he can combine these two words. Despair can be magnificent. Why? Because normally despair is brink. This side is abyss. The other side is you know uh, whatever mountain slopes. Here, if she goes down, it is the ashram, the mother, this thing. On this side is or I take it like that. On the landing. Kithar jahoon, kithar jahoon. room, mother's room. So, magnificent despair. <laughs> Where should I go? <laughs> well, it's my understanding. <laughs> Don't take it as. <laughs> the grandeur of a sorrowful surmise wakes in the largeness of her glorious eyes. What is sorrowful about the surmise? What is she surmising? In a beauty's dumb, significant pose, I find... The tragedy of her mysterious mind. She is unable to fathom. You see, with the coming of mind, everything was like a fall. Mother and Shubhindo described that they were there when the mind of man came. Early humanity. And how with the coming of mind, questions, complications, they begin to come. So this is the early aspect. Yet is she stately, grandiose, full of grace... A musing mask is her immobile face. Her tail is up like an unconquered flag. So it's quite likely that this poem, this history no one knows, was when she is leaving the body. So unconquered flag. She is dying. And yet her tail is up, unconquered flag. Its dignity knows not the right to wag. An animal creature wonderfully human, early trace of early humanity, Tarzan, completely in sync with nature. Then we lost it because we started questioning. That is the fall of Adam and Eve. An animal creature wonderfully human. Now you see Shobindo's entire, um, sometimes I um, give this expression that you know, you have the Mandukya Upanishad, Chatushpad Brahman, in one single short stanza of this poem An animal creature, wonderfully human A charm and miracle of fur-footed Brahman Whether she is spirit, woman or a cat She is transiting from the cat to the human birth And of course she is spirit And it is Brahman which has become this People would ask Shirdhondo, "Sir, when I come, what it means by seeing Brahman?" He says, "For example, when you come in, Doctor Manilal asked the question. So I see Brahman assuming the form and face of Manilal and walking up to me. That's how he describes. Whether she is spirit, woman, or a cat is now the problem. I am wondering at what was Shirdhondo's consciousness? You know we." um now this, this thing that uh, you know we try to talk about his life and things what can one talk about his life somebody who lives in this consciousness just two poems i will read i have wrapped the wide world in my wider self and time and space my spirits seeing are I am the god and demon, ghost and elf. All creatures he has become. Nobody he leaves. I am the wind's speed and the blazing star. All nature is the nursling of my care. I am the struggle and the eternal rest. All nature is the nursling of my care. In mother's life actually one could see. And there was this, uh, Bulak's name was Ojas. I think Ojas and Tejas, two bullocks, but Ojas, I remember. and the fellow was uh, trying to beat the bullock too. So shurbindo uh, asked, "Who is the person? Why was he beating the bullocks?" No, they don't uh, you know understand." He said, "No, the bullocks are more receptive than the person who is managing the bullocks. They are more receptive so in everything we, now we talk about animal activism but where did it all start how to treat animals and this is when we were living in a humanity 40s 30s when we were surrounded either by uh, you know a growing influence of a sabhyata for which killing to eat for pleasure was a way of life or else we were vegetarian by default not knowing Why are we vegetarians? So it was not about being vegetarian or non-vegetarian. That's the last thing. One can be a staunch vegetarian and treat animals in the worst possible way. I'm just giving this one poser question. You may be a vegetarian, but you mistreat animals, don't care about them. I have seen people hitting dogs, throwing stones, or treating animals with oof. But vegetarians—that's not what real sense is. It's to treat animals with the dignity they deserve, with care, kindness. Vegetarianism is a different aspect; it stands on a different ground. But right now, we are not discussing that. So, the world's joy, thrilling, runs through me. I bear the sorrow of millions in my lonely breast. All kinds of calls would come to them during that period. Somebody dies. and several People would write to Sri Aurobindo, I prayed to mother, uh, so and so had died. Did she listen? She said she is preoccupied with many such things. Every day thousands of calls come to her. People in distress, people in who had died or are dying. And there were moments when she would stop the work. This was her way of life. And... Uh, she would go into trance sometimes half an hour 45 minutes at night she would travel into other worlds she was not at all I mean what can be called as rest what was her routine like till 2 o'clock night mother would often come back to her room then little rest there was used to be Charuchandra Dutt Bulada so he was given the charge of electricity so he would not go to sleep till the mother's light is off why? Because um, <laughs> he, he said, in case she requires, nothing would go wrong. But look at the dedication of these people. After all, Srivastava was his chief in those days. So he would wait. When the mother's light is put off, then he would go to rest. Often on a small little bench. You will see his room inside the ashram. Small little place. And he would live like that. And how they got all the energy? It's unimaginable how they were working. And then 4 o'clock onwards, the departmental people will start coming. So, what was she doing during that one hour or one and a half hours? Even in the washroom, there would be pieces of paper where she has to sanction something. And meticulousness, Mahasaraswati to an extent, where if somebody sent a money order, 1 rupee, 50 pesa, she would sign graciously with a signature and send it back. It's not like it's a small amount. How she dealt with life. I mean, yesterday I was hearing this story, of course. I know it, but um, that there was a group which was coming by train to Pondicherry and there was a sadhu sitting somewhere there or like a beggar uh, kind of, you know, sadhus who live by arms. And um, they were talking about Pondicherry and mother. And at the end of the journey, he uh, said, I have heard so much, I don't know whether I can ever go to her. But please carry this. One rupee from my side to her. And the people carried when they gave to the mother. So it seems mother flipped the coin, got in her hand, held it. And then she said, the divine will find difficult to pay back this individual. One rupee. On the other hand, this is another story of somebody sending a cheque to Sri Five thousand rupees, even earlier than this one rupee coin, and saying, "I just want uh, my name to be put on one of the plaques with a red pen, it was struck off, not accepted. It was not like you can buy anything with money. On another side, there's another funny one. Somebody sent uh, money with a um, list of suggestions. So it was told to Shurabindo, Sir, someone has sent the money but given suggestions. It should be spent like this, there, this, that. Shurabindo's reply keep the money, reject the suggestions. <laughs> three different people, three different approaches. He had a sense of humor. What a wonder. Keep the money. Because he knew that the person doesn't understand surrender, but is giving it genuine. But he thinks this is the human mind. This was uh, the, the humorous way of Sri Aurobindo's to, uh, you know, a parallel story with Sri Ramakrishna, where somebody brought him a Pashmina shawl. And Sri Ramakrishna suddenly took it on his um, body and then threw it in the mud, started dancing on it. So the person was there and he, after some while, got very uncomfortable and said, Sir, um, this is quite expensive. He said, Dekha, Dekha, he hasn't given it. He is still keeping it with him. This was his way. That is smart. But in way, see the and perfection. Accept the money. <laughs> Reject the suggestions. <laughs> so, cosmic consciousness. I have learned a close identity with all. Yet am by nothing bound that I become. Carrying in me the universe's call. I mount to my imperishable home. The cry of all creatures they were carrying. I pass beyond time and life on measureless wings, yet am one with born and unborn things. Things which are yet to manifest. I am not only identified with what is, but also with what is not. That's how the mother's mantra, Om Namo Bhagwati. She said, here Bhagwati stands for the divine of tomorrow. Because everything is divine. The divine in the past, divine of today, and the divine of tomorrow. In manifestation you have this progress. Look at this line. Uh, who can write about Sri This There is a poem, Now I have borne. Now I have borne thy presence and thy light. Mother says, who can understand Sri He is as vast as the universe and his teaching is infinite. The only way to understand him a little is to come closer to him. By love and to serve Him, to love Him and to serve Him, then little bit understanding will enter the grey. My heart, a deep Atlantic of delight. My life is a moving moment of Thy might, carrying Thy visions sacred, Oriflam inscribed with the wide glory of Thy name, in the unborn silence of the infinite. And now his body. My body is a jar of radiant peace. Till date you feel that in his room. My body is a jar of radiant peace. The days align across my timelessness. My mind is made a voiceless breath of thee. A lyre of muteness and a luminous sea. Yet in each cell I feel thy fire embrace. A brazier of the seven ecstasies. I just want to read some of these poems where we understand that while they were living in the place which we call as Shobindu Ashram, they were not limited to the geographical place. Where did their consciousness not extend? So here is another poem, The Indwelling Universal, all autobiographical poem. So, it's not like somebody said so, newspaper report said so. Shobindo didn't write them for telling about himself. They were the joy of poetry. It's now that we know it exists, discover it, and we can take joy in uh, simply who Shobindo is. Because only Shobindo can (laughs) reveal about Shobindo. Only Shobindo can explain (laughs) (laughs) Shobindo through his grace into anyone. I contain the wide world in my soul's embrace. How vast that soul must be. In me, Arcturus and Belfajor burn. And Arcturus and Belfajor, we know, are constellation of stars burning in some galaxies. In me, Arcturus, this is the Vishwarup. He knew about it when Niroda asked him, Sir, we know about Krishna's Vishwarup, what about you? He said, yes, but it is not uh, so... <laughs> he used a word which I am forgetting. Um, it doesn't look so, um, not vibhats, but like, you know, horrifying. Uh, like Danta Karani, like there are no heroes. But it's a very, it's a more solemn, dignified Vishwarao. You don't see like... But these are vishrup. One can actually have a vision of Shraubhita vishrup. So here he describing... To whatsoever living form I turn, I see my own body with another face. Repeatedly they would remind, there is but one body. So, to limit them to this is the guru, this is the disciple, this itself is duality. There is someone else and here is someone else. So they were just carrying, doing the sadhana for everyone. That's what he said. You just open to the mother. She does the sadhana. But open you have to do because the divine will not force even upon himself, I mean, aspects of himself. All eyes that look on me are my soul eyes. The one heart that beats within all breasts is mine. The world's happiness flows through me like wine. Its millions, sorrows are my agonies. Yet all its acts are only waves that pass. Somebody would feel, my God, this must be so much to bear. He says, no, it's just like a little wave that is passing on the surface. Upon my surface, inly, forever still. Inwardly, it is forever still. It is the Brahman and the world, creation. Unborn, I sit, timeless, intangible, all things are shadows in my tranquil glass. These wonderful lines My vast transcendence holds the cosmic world. I am hidden it as in the sea, a pearl. It's a triple identity transcendent, universal, and the individual. I am hidden it as in the sea, a pearl. Let me read just one more. All this he was going through, including the transformation of the body, cells. See, in 1926, the fundamental sadhana was complete. That's why it is Siddhi. After that, he started carrying everybody. Because otherwise, there would have been such a big gap. But Srivinda was constantly experiencing, if you read through the records, in 1926-27, around that time, when the records cease, he writes that it is complete, it is almost complete. So, it was his individual sadhana, if you may call it. It was completed. But now, it was no more, we can use the word possible or desirable, to go individually. You had to carry the collectivity. So, we see that he started carrying everybody, millions sorrows and you know happiness of everyone, carrying it together towards the Lord, towards the great change. And... And all my cells and atoms, it is thy rapture flaming through my nerves. And all my cells and atoms thrill with thee. My body, thy vessel is and only serves as a living wine cup of thy ecstasy. What that body must be, we can't even imagine, you know. When he would give darshan, people would, I mean, would change just a moment. Passing before him, their life changed. So many accounts, we can read it, it's all available. People from different places, people who didn't believe, people who didn't know what darshan is, people coming from a western context. And yet just standing few moments, it was not like, and it was not based thankfully on your paying capacity. There was no special darshan, deluxe darshan, (laughs) political darshan, nothing like that. Darshan was darshan. The Lord Supreme was sitting there, and he and the mother decided who will come and who will not. Among the glorious refusals was <laughs> Mohandas <Karam Chand> Gandhi. <laughs> Several times people tried to him to come, and Shirdi said no. In fact, he gave. He said, "I see only my. Uh, I see people only on four darshan days." And uh, otherwise, I don't entertain anyone, not entertain, but I don't see anyone, including even my own disciples. So, he made a distinction that he is not special because he is so and so. Even my disciples, look at the stress of the word. I don't see them. I made this rule for myself and I see no reason why I should break it for him. But he did break the rule, but he was not bound by the rule, but because it was communicated and when he was asked why are you refusing he gave a very outer reason that you know he'll come with fanfare politics people beating drums and all they didn't want it but the real reason was something else if you read through shervindas understanding of gandhi rigidity you know propaganda and you know one sided tilt it's all history when hindus were massacred he would stay quiet when Hindus organize themselves in strength, at one place Shri Aurobindo says the Hindus must organize themselves in strength. And when Hindus would do it, he would go on fast. So people were pretty confused. But that's a fact. If you go through the entire thing very impersonally, you will see. I mean, leave aside the, uh, you know, we have this tendency to see through a certain lens. He had, a, he had good things and he was an instrument for like many others in his own way. But for the collective ideal of non-violence, Charka when his son had come. He asked Shubhendu about what are your views about non-violence. Shubhendu posed a counter question: Tell me how are you, how are you going to counter Hitler if he you know invades your country, invade the country with Charka and uh, <laughs> non latti He asked him. So people asked, what did he reply? He said he was silent nothing to reply how are you going to counter him with charkas so he was a realist to the core he knew what things are completely not lost in some lotus eating land and because he was realist to the core he knew where the problem lies and with that i'll stop a poem so he knew where the problem lies he knew knew that the um, Asura holds this world in his hollow. And unless he is tackled, there can be no permanent solution. You know, in Ramayana, there is a story of Hanuman. So, Hanuman is crossing and suddenly there is a a Rakshasi. What she does, she lives under the sea. Remember the story? How she pulls him down? By catching the shadow. So, she had this capacity to catch the shadow. And if she catches the shadow you will be pulled down. See, it happens with Hanuman. So, it is such a deeply wonderful story. Shadow is what? Each of us carries something in our subconscious. The shadow. It's hidden from us. And, what happens with the shadow? She is below the ocean. You can't see her. And one day she catches and pulls you down. Then there is a fight and a tussle. That's what you see in the Ramayana story of Ahiravan. Ultimately, whom does Ravana call? Ahiravan. So if you read um, through mother's description of death of death, where she says he called back to his strength um, in the inconscient hell, but it retired away from it. That's the last support of the Asura. Otherwise, why didn't he call Ahiravan in the beginning? Ahir literally is that, you know, the poisonous snake, the serpent who can kill you. Ravan. he is the denizen of the subconscious. His power is so much that he has created a parallel universe. On one side, he even makes Lord Rama and Lakshmana unconscious and has created a duplicate of Hanuman, Makardvaj. He is guarding the gates So Hanuman is in awe Who is this person who is has same strength like me Nowhere he has met So that story is deeply symbolic So he knew as long as The subconscient and the inconscient Are lying on the back World's back There will be no Way the transformation can be So then he started working on that After 1926 The golden period When they were having all visions Gods and all descending went away, it was withdrawn and people started doing hard work on physical, subconscious, inconscience. And during that process, Sravindra was not guiding them like a guru, saying, see, this is the subconscious, go there, do the work, you will encounter this. He descended with them into the subconscious. That is the story of Rama entering the cave of Ahiravan. Thus alone he could die. And with this little poem, I'll stop the pilgrim of the night the light which came down upon earth became a pilgrim of the night i made an this poem is very profound but i'll time now i made an assignation with the night in the abyss was fixed our rendezvous carrying in my in my breast carrying god's deathless light i came her dark and dangerous heart to woe. god is written in diary today appointment Sir, so whom are you going to meet? Night. Where are you going to meet? Abyss. She won't come. Why are you going there? To marry her. <laughs> Just in the abyss was fixed our rendezvous. I left the glory of the illumined mind and the calm rapture of the divinized soul and travelled through a vastness dim and blind to the grey shore where her ignorant waters roll. I walk by the chill wave through the dull slime, and still that weary journeying knows no end. Lost is the lustrous Godhead beyond time. He leaves it all. See, it's exactly Rama and Lakshmana going down. So they go there in that state. There comes no voice of the celestial friend. That's a state where you, you experience that utter loneliness. The dark loneliness, not the luminous aloneness. And yet I know my footprints, track shall be a pathway towards immortality. This part of the chapter, almost 1938 to 50, we will read next time. Namaste.